August 18, 2018 on Kingsland Avenue in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. This is Acacia Thompson for Brooklyn Public Library's Greenpoint Oral History Project and Our Streets, Our Stories. I'm here with Nikki Jackson, Project Manager for Kingsland Wildflowers. So Nikki, how long have you been in Brooklyn and how did you get involved in environmental advocacy? I've been in Brooklyn for 10 years. Um, I originally moved to the city to pursue a career in publishing after I graduated from Indiana University in 2008. Um, the recession hit uh, just a few months after I moved to New York and I lost my job. And from there, I um, didn't have a backup plan. And so I, instead of going back home, uh, I decided to stay in the city and do what I grew up doing, which is gardening and being in nature. Um, I wasn't sure how I was gonna do it or get into it, being that it was a much um, different type of environment than the one I grew up in, um, being that it's an urban area. Uh, but I ended up finding this and kind of my calling through um, my love of, of food and um, I was dating a chef at the time and I started reading about the farm to table movement that was happening and uh, got interested in rooftop farming and gardening. Um, in 2009 I moved to Greenpoint and I lived here for about three and a half years in this community. Um, since then I've continued to work in the Greenpoint community so nine of the 10 years I've been in Brooklyn, um, Greenpoint has been my community and my neighborhood. And it is the place that feels the most like home to me. Um, when I first moved to the neighborhood, I found out about uh, the creek spill, um, the oil spill along Newtown Creek right away, shortly after moving to this community. Um, I don't recall exactly how I found out about it, but I've always been in tune with environmental concerns and, you know, hazards and what's going on around me. Um, and after finding out about the spill, um, it created an awareness of what this community has gone through, what the people here have gone through. Um, how that kind of toxicity has affected this neighborhood and the environment and the wildlife as well as um, the people that live here. And um, I wanted to just begin somewhere um, doing environmental work and, and advocacy in order to affect change in, in small ways. Um, so I actually went back to the Midwest for a short amount of time and apprenticed on a rooftop farm in Chicago, Illinois, um, called Uncommon Ground. Uh, it's um, the first organic certified rooftop farm restaurant in the country. And there I learned about the farm to table processes and uh, starting a rooftop farm and what it takes to maintain that. Um, I grew up gardening, so I knew a lot about produce already, but 
when I came back to New York after that apprenticeship, I also started with the Brooklyn Grange Farm, apprenticed with them for another year and a half, um, and then ended up getting involved with uh, several different landscapers and gardeners um, in North Brooklyn. So my focus kind of became a little bit more all-encompassing. It wasn't just looking at food. It wasn't, it wasn't looking at um, you know, food systems or growing um, produce for human consumption. It was also looking at um, this is what we can give back to the environment. And, and here are native plants that we can be planting instead of you know, doing a lot of traditional um, non-native you know, manicured gardens that we see a lot of times on terraces or, you know, around Upper West, Upper East Side of Manhattan, but to try to start to incorporate um, these varieties of plants that will attract uh, pollinators. And so that was really important to me. It kind of um, shifted my focus and even though I continued to do a lot of private edible gardens for clients, um, I knew that I wanted to do something bigger. And in 2014 um, and 15, I managed the McGulrick Park Farmers Market here in the community in Greenpoint. Um, and through the managing of that market, I ended up meeting a local landscaper, Marnie Majorelle, who owns Alive Structures. And she um, asked for my help with the installation of uh, a bid that she had won for this new green roof project. Um, the project was funded through the Greenpoint Community Environmental Fund and was um, focused solely on native plants to expand clean habitat for biodiverse pollinators and migratory birds. Um, and this became the Kingsland Wildflowers Project. So the, after I began helping Marnie with the install of the green roof here, um, we opened to the public in September of 2016 we had began planting in July of 2016. And I remember thinking it was, there was a heat wave that year and it got so hot up here on the green roof and it was before we had everything installed um, and the irrigation wasn't turned on yet. We had to um, bring out sprinklers and hoses to water all of the newly planted um, starters and, and baby plants as well as um, sown seed um, and I just remember watering for like hours we'd have to water take turns um, and I was very concerned that the the grasses were not going to survive um, but they did and and that's kind of been for me um, the beauty of using plants that are indigenous to New York State and the East Coast is the resiliency. And we find that, you know, the resiliency of these native plants and using that um, also lends itself to, um, you know, continuing this progression of 
how can we affect change within creating and expanding habitats and what do these plants do and how do they how do they do it and what they're providing is a food source that our native wildlife likes to eat and that is what attracts them to our garden specifically um, I was after the green roof opened in September of 2016, uh, I was asked by New York City Audubon, who is the nonprofit bird conservation organization in New York City. Um, they manage this grant, they're the grant holder recipient, and uh, I was asked to manage the project with New York City Audubon. And um, really, it was for me, I think, a turning point in my career where suddenly my focus shifted entirely from projects that were primarily for human kind of consumption and harvest um, to something that was not for harvest, not for consumption. Um, so suddenly my focus began to shift when I became the project director for the Kings and Wildflowers Green Roof. Um, and it was, it was kind of this turning point in my career where um, I, wasn't, I wasn't looking at human needs anymore. I wasn't looking at human consumption or how much we can be producing or harvesting. Um, I was solely focused on how is this project looking at creating clean habitat and green corridors for our native biodiverse pollinators and migratory birds. And it's, it's been incredibly rewarding. It's maybe the largest kind of give back project that I've ever been a part of. And to do something that is based very much in conservation and ecology um, and studying how as humans, we can begin to affect change in this way. Um, that to me is is the ultimate, the ultimate goal and and gift to educate our communities with and educate our children with and um, with all of the things that we face in our future um, for as humans as a planet um, with all of the different species that are going extinct by the minute and you know it's so important now more than ever to connect children especially and community members with projects like kings and wildflowers because it begin it begins to showcase how we're all interconnected and how even though we live in this urban environment and urban area um, we're still very much just a, as big of a part of the ecosystem of this planet as all of the wildlife that live in the jungle or in the country and what we're doing as human beings as the most invasive species on the planet um, that's really what the most important thing is is understanding our place in all of this. It's incredibly rewarding. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the programming that, that you do and some of the things that you, events you hold to bring the community in? Yeah, so 
I host um, lots of different lecture series, environmental discussions, um, talks with ecologists, ornithologists, authors, birders. Um, last year we had Dr. Eric Sanderson here who is a um, uh, urban naturalist, environmentalist, and um, he came and spoke about his large body of work that he's looked at, uh, or that he's, that he's done um, over the course of his career. And I've also, um, this season, I've tried to connect the community um, to our green space a little bit more by offering programming that's more arts-based as well. So getting into, you know, um, in June, I opened up the Green Roof during uh, Greenpoint Open Studios weekend um, and had a collaboration with a group of textile artists and using natural dyes. So we used upcycled scrap fabric that was all naturally hand dyed to create a life size um, or human size rather uh, birdhouse installation with these beautiful fabric panels and installed a recording uh, that was digitally mastered by a sound engineer of the birds that our ecology team recorded on the green roof last season and that was installed inside of the the, the, the birdhouse fabric birdhouse and um, so it was this kind of beautiful sensory experience and um, almost um, meditative tent like you know you go inside and there are blankets everywhere and you could sit and listen to the bird sounds and um, and look at the fabric and and understand like how really so many elements of you know ev everything that we have as human beings comes from nature you know and and I think people that even work in industries that are completely, you know, not connected to our natural environment in any way, or people that feel so disconnected to what's going on and, you know, their understanding of the natural world, if presented with material that they do understand in a way that connects them to those things, it all starts to make sense. And I think that's part of my goal here as well with programming. Um, is to begin to connect those dots. And could you tell me how big is the roof currently? The roof is approximately 22,000 square feet or a half an acre. Uh, it's comprised of um, four different roofs, all on the same building, but they're on different levels of this building. Uh, two of the roofs are public access. They're extensive green roofs, so those are uh, the meadow-like green roofs that are planted with all of our native grasses and wildflowers. And then two, the other two roofs are non-public access roofs, and those are going to be our semi-intensive green roofs, a lighter weight load, so um, the, the weight can't really support a lot of individuals being out there. But those are planted with um, sedum, which is a lightweight, uh, low-lying, succulent-like plant. Uh, it's also native and there are different varieties and the sedum attracts grubs and insects really love to live in it and so birds love to feed and nest on it and um, we're seeing that you know this is we're in year two right now of the project and 
we're seeing that more and more bird species are finding our roof. Um, they're using it uh, as a stopover habitat during migration season to refuel, to find food, um, and continue their journey south. Um, and birds are a lot like humans also in the way that they, they find something, they find a green space, and they actually remember it. And then they tell their friends, and, and, and then more, more birds start to show up. And so this year we got our first robin spotting on the green roof, which, you know, robins are pretty common birds, but we hadn't had one up here yet. So everyone was really excited in the New York City Audubon office. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you, Acacia.